Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode number 47 of the Reinventure Me podcast. Well, who doesn't want to be a person of influence? Today, we're going to talk to TJ Addington about being a person of deep influence. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Reinventure Me podcast, the podcast where we talk about what's next in life. And I'm your co-host, Larry Gates, along with Armin Asadi. And how are you, Armin? Good. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I had a really good retreat. Uh, yeah, I heard. I, I even saw it on Facebook. That's what makes it official. <laughs> yeah, if it ain't on Facebook, <laughs> it ain't real, real right? It's just not real, no. Oh, I tell you, I just, I didn't have the time to go, but I had been planning it for three months, hmm. so I went, and it was the best one I had. Yeah, when I asked you how well it went, uh, I remember your response. I'll never forget it. You said, well, I don't know what other word to use. Other than it was a breakthrough. Yes, breakthrough. It was a breakthrough for me personally. And I'm not going to get into all of that. You can listen to our last week's episode if you missed uh, how to have a personal planning retreat. We talked about that just before I went on one, and I can report back. Man, I am so glad I did, even though I went up there thinking, I've got so much stuff i got to get done. You know, who doesn't? Who doesn't live a busy life and try to figure out, or how do you get this time to get away and reflect on what's going on? Well, in today's episode, we're going to carry that theme forward, aren't we? That's right. And we're going to be talking to T.J. Addington. He's the author of five books. No big deal. Uh, no no big deal. Yeah, I'm still working on my first. He's the author of five books, personal friend of mine, but a man who knows something about self-reflection. It's just a great interview. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, I mean, he's got a lot more that he's done. I'm sure you know oh, yeah. of it. Well, yeah, he is the senior vice president with the E-Free Church of America denomination, the leader of Reach Global. It's the international mission arm of EFCA, and he's been a pastor, a consultant, a denominational leader for the past 25 years. He's been helping Christian nonprofit organizations and churches develop healthy leaders, governance, and good healthy strategy. Uh, As I said, he's written five books, high-impact church boards, leading from the sandbox, live like you mean it, when life comes undone, and his latest book, which is coming out on January 1, Deep Influence. Wow. Now, I had a chance to read that book early on, and I, I just thought it was great. It's, I think, one of Tim's best books. And uh, we, we just completed an interview with him. This is our, our pre-show kind of warm-up to the interview. I really enjoyed the conversation we had, and you're about to hear. Yeah, and, uh, I, I, and I was just saying this to you right, right after the interview, that you know it's what 
the person is saying is good when it makes you uncomfortable mm. and not because you feel awkward or what they're saying is off but you know it's right and it's something that you need to apply you felt that little push toward yes. the edge of the cliff looking out you're getting a little exactly. stomach sickness right it's like you know i it. think i need to do this yes but i don't want to make the jump yeah. all right that's exactly what he made me feel well let's let's not waste any more time on the pre-show warm-up for this let's go right into that interview Well, I mean, it's been my uh, real privilege in my life to have a friend that we're having on this podcast today. And I tell you, I talked to him about this for several months, and I've just been waiting for tonight because we get to spend some time with my good friend, Tim Addington. I'm excited. Tim, it's an honor to be here with you. You are uh, kind of a legend from the consulting practices of church, so it's very cool to be here sitting in front of you. Uh, yeah, welcome to the program. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you are as well. Well, uh, Tim, we told you that at the warm-up of the show that we always look for an inspirational quote to kick us off and get us going and, and share one with us. Yeah, this comes from uh, the new book, Deep Influence. The preponderance of books on leadership focus on what good leaders do, how they act, or the strategies they implement. Some of these books provide real insight into good leadership principles, but these are not the most important issues in leadership, nor are they where leadership starts. Great leadership starts deep inside, and the best leaders belong in a category set apart. Their uniqueness lies not first in their ability, but in a set of intentional practices that they nurture. Those practices combined with leadership ability make the difference between the average leader and a leader of deep influence. Mm. That's great. And wow. the, it's those practices we're going to dive into. And Tim, of course, is leading from a book that has yet to be released. It is coming out on January 1st. It's his latest book called Deep Influence. So that book is right about going deep. I know right in chapter one, you said the most that was most central to what we are and who we become cannot be directly seen by others, but its impact is felt by those we lead, and it determines the depth of our leadership, our character, our vision, and the philosophy from which we lead. I mean, you don't mince any words. You just kind of write it, you know, page one. You just say, this is what we're about. We're going to dive deep. And so if, you, if you're if you frightened by that, don't read this book, because that's how I heard that. <laughs> it starts with the gut chat. <laughs> uh, that's a, a, a good way of saying it, Larry. Uh, what's inside is what comes out, and uh, good leaders come out of a, a, what their leadership comes out of a deep reservoir that they have built in their hearts and minds. Uh, poor leaders lead out of insecurity. They lead out of their own personal agendas. Whatever's inside is what comes out, and it determines the quality of our leadership. Yeah, I so much enjoyed reading this book, Tim, and I think you and I have chatted over many breakfasts that uh, so many leadership books that are out there on the market, and I mean, you probably have seen this yourself. Mm -hmm. So many of them seem to be warmed over recitations of very simple principles that you could read in two pages and spare yourself the rest of the 200 pages of storytelling or whatever it is, but it, they don't go deep enough. They just seem to be right at the surface. And that's not the case with your book. I mean, you, you really do talk about how to get deep inside what prompted you to write that, Tim? You know, I um, am 49 years old, or 59 years old. I was going to say. And, uh, <laughs> um, when did you pass me? <laughs> I do 
I, I not only lead a large organization of, of 600 staff members who work around the world, but I do a lot of leadership training. Mm-hmm. And uh, my observation has been that in our leadership training, we often focus on important matters of technique, but neglect issues that are far more fundamental, like uh, what is my motivation and uh, uh, am I leading out of personal health and can I manage my shadow side? Um, do I think deeply and reflectively? It's, it's those kinds of things that in the end make for the best leader. Skill is uh, great, but unless there's depth of character inside, uh, we will not go the distance and go deep as leaders. Mm. Well, that's, I have to say, just based on my very limited leadership experience compared to yours, which is kind of a fragment in time, but I would say I feel like the biggest challenges I faced as a leader was when I started leading from a place of talent rather a place of character and I, and I left a wake of disillusioned or angry or whatever negative term I could use of people that are waiting for me to show them something that is beyond my talent. So just hearing you say that is very convicting. But in your book, you have a lot of great insight about having profound and deep influence. I guess we all like that. I know I would. So why is it so hard to do and why are people of deep influence seemingly so rare? I mean, I think it's because we focus on activity. All leaders are busy. Mm. And we're so focused on the activity of leading that we do not focus on the uh, unseen practices that actually lead to that leadership uh, because those unseen practices are not what we get lauded for as leaders. Mm. And so it's very easy to skip the heart and to skip the introspection and not to think deeply about ourselves and uh, what motivates us, and rather to focus on all the activity we're involved in. I think good leaders are more reflective. They take time to think more deeply. They spend more time understanding themselves and uh, those they lead. They ask more and better questions. They take more time to evaluate success and so forth. All of those things are unseen practices that uh, require us to set aside time and to think deeply. You know, I mean, I've, I've yet to go, we usually meet over breakfast, right, Tim, when we get together. I, I have yet to go meet with him where he isn't there before me mm-hmm. with his journal open and writing something. And the degree to which you write on a regular basis, I know comes out of that kind of introspection, Tim. And you are, I could say unequivocally, you are the most intentional man I know in terms of setting out to do things and thinking uh, about this kind of reflection that you're talking about. How did you get there? What was the turning point for you? Uh, This podcast is all about change and transition. And how does someone go from the point where they, well, as Armin, you said, you know, you're leading out of your talents. Mm -hmm. So how do you make that transition? How did you do that, Tim, when you moved, when you decided, I'm sure you decided at some point in time, maybe it wasn't a conscious decision, maybe it was an evolution, or I'd love to hear how that happened for you, but how did you move from this leading out of talent and activity to deciding that you're really going to lead from this deeper place, this deeper influence that you talk about out of character? 
Larry, I think it, uh, first of all, came out of understanding who God made me to be. When I was young, I thought I was good at a lot of things. As I have uh, become more mature, I realized God has really wired me to do maybe three things well, and that he gave me those skills to use on his behalf wherever I'm engaged. And therefore, out of stewardship to him, I need to focus on those things he's called me to do, leave alone a lot of other things that I'm not as good at. And um, I see uh, how I use my time the same way I, I see finances. Uh, we think very deeply about writing a check or how we invest our funds. Uh, our time is more precious than our money. Money comes, money goes. Time only goes. And so uh, I think of my priorities as time checks. Every time I agree to something, I'm writing a check for my time. I'm not going to get it back, and I want to use it and steward it as wisely as I can so that I can be a person of influence for Jesus and his kingdom. Well, I'm sure that that, that lesson that you're articulating there really came home during your health crisis where you were seriously, well, near death and seriously uh, in poor shape in the hospital for how many days was it now? Uh, the first time was uh, 43 days. Yeah, 43 days. And and out of that, you wrote the book, When Life Comes Undone, right? And I'm sure that this sense of your use of time and your ability to use the gifting that God's given you really was amplified through that experience. Yeah, you know, uh, having almost died changes you in many ways. It, uh, it makes you less sensitive to what people think. It makes you more uh, focused on what's important. And uh, it had a tremendous impact on my life because I should have never lived past uh, the age of 51. Hmm. So every day for all of us is a day of grace. We just don't always understand that. I know it in my bones every day I wake up that, you know, God was gracious. He's given me another day and I want to use it well. Yeah. Cultivating that sense of urgency and that sense of stewardship has got to be one of the, one of the real life lessons to, to getting to this place of deep influence. When you, when you think about the people in your life, Tim, I mean, for me, you're one of those guys that is qualified to write a book like this because I look at you and I, I listen to to you when we have our conversations and, and you do all the things you were talking about. You're reflective. You ask great questions. You are centered around, you always say you have, I, you write this in your blog all the time. You have three gifts and, but you know, I think you're underselling yourself, <laughs> but in any case, you know, I, I know the point you're making, but you, you are very focused. So who have been role models for you that, that have helped shape how you think about being a person of deep influence? One of those role models, Larry, was my father, who I have dedicated this book to. He's uh, now in heaven, uh, very focused, uh, very committed to uh, impacting the lives of others uh, as a surgeon, as a teacher, as a friend, as a Sunday school teacher, wherever he was, mm -hmm. medical missionary. But one of the uh, other individuals who has uh, influenced me deeply was Walter C. Kaiser, who was a, the dean of Trinity Seminary and then 
the president of Gordon-Conwell. I had the privilege of serving as his TA for four years when I was at uh, Trinity. And he really invested in my life and much of who I am is a reflection of who he is. And then there are friends like uh, Ken Larson, who you know, and Grant Nelson, uh, who are local, who have been great role models for me and great friends and from whom I have learned a lot, uh, even about the things that I've written in this book. Yeah. Now, if you could take this, all the writing in this book and summarize it and, and, and say the, the one impact that you'd like people to come away with, the one decision you'd like them to have as a consequence of reading Deep Influence, what would that be? I think it would be to pay attention to one's inner life, and that includes our spiritual lives, our emotional health, understanding our shadow side, our dark side, so that we can manage that and it does not negatively impact others, and to lead out of the greatest personal health possible. Mm. All of us have probably worked for people who were not healthy, and it came out. All of us know people who are immensely healthy and who we love to be around. That's who I want to be, and I want to have that kind of influence. So, TJ, you talk a lot about um, emotional intelligence or EQ, and I know that's something in our church we talked a lot about along with Strength Finders and uh, Myers-Briggs. Why is EQ specifically such an important issue for you? It's because uh, our the level of our emotional health determines how much influence we can have with others. If as a leader, I'm defensive, I shut down discussion. Mm -hmm. If I uh, feel like I need to have my own way, I don't develop teams that work together synergistically. The more open and transparent, non-defensive, and healthy I am, that will be directly reflected in the health of those I work with and the team I lead. So for instance, you know instinctively where you can go and not go with somebody you work for. And the places you can't go with them usually reflect insecurities on the part of your leader that keep you from raising those issues. Mm -hmm. I want to be a person who is non-defensive, has an attitude of nothing to prove and nothing to lose, because ultimately it's not about me and it's not about the organization I lead. It's about the mission that we have together. When it's about me, I can get defensive. When it's about the mission, I can live with a nothing to prove, nothing to lose attitude. It's all in our perspective. So I have to ask this question just because I'm a obviously a different generation than you guys are. We're much younger. I have a lot less experience and so do my friends. And we, we don't know what we don't know. We haven't experienced what we haven't experienced yet. And I feel like there is so much in someone's EQ that's experience-based um, so for someone who is younger, how do we start to grasp or even start to apply this uh, topic of deep influence that may be different than someone who is an older generation than us? You know, 
Um, what I've learned is that the people you hang around and spend time with have a lot to do with that. Uh, I have surrounded myself with people that I call friends for life. They're people uh, whose own health and focus and spiritual emotional health rubs off on me. Mm. They're people that I have learned from by watching over the years. The other thing I've done is very intentionally have developed a culture where any issue can be put on the table and reach global without, uh, with the exception of a personal attack or a hidden agenda. And that means that we have robust dialogue. We have good dialogue, creative conflict, and people have the right and the ability to say to me, Tim, uh, you really screwed that up, or I disagree with you, or, you know, in that conversation, let me share with you how you came across. Because our, our dark side are, is our blind side. And unless we have people who will tell us the truth, like my wife and my kids, <laughs> we often don't know what it is. Yeah, now you talk in the book about the shadow side. So explain that a little bit more for those of our listeners and may not be f as familiar with that terminology. Yeah, uh, I would define the shadow side in three ways. First of all, it, it, it's the issues that come from our family of origin, which impact us mm -hmm. uh, sometimes negatively. It is our personal sinful vulnerabilities and understanding how we're vulnerable and when we're vulnerable and therefore taking steps to minimize that vulnerability. It's also the flip side of our strengths. Mm -hmm. So uh, with strength finders, uh, three of my five top strengths are maximizer, achiever, and um, uh, strategic. So those are wonderful strengths, but think about the shadow side. If I focus on what I want to accomplish at the expense of people, I can run over them. Mm -hmm. If I want to see something done as a maximizer, I can be impatient. Um, so understanding the shadow side gives us the ability to manage it. We will never erase it but we can become better at managing it and therefore not allowing it to negatively impact ourselves or people that we are with. Well, and I imagine the more you know about your shadow sides and that you can see in others, the more you're able to coach and identify where their strengths might be too, because as you said, they are often the inverse of a strength and, and many people are, are working out of their own insecurities. And so they're displaying a lot of shadow side, which is, is kind of a pointer or an indicator to where someone's strength can be coached out and brought out. And that really is influence, isn't it? Totally so. And uh, what I've noticed, Larry, is that uh, to the extent we understand ourselves, we also understand others. Mm -hmm. To the extent we don't understand ourselves, we're not very good at understanding others. Yeah, because then you just, you're just bouncing off of each other's shadow sides. You're never really getting into what the core issue is. Right. And, and even the ability, for instance, to negotiate conflict in a healthy way, mm -hmm. we have to understand ourselves and we've got to understand the other. And, uh, we need to have a personal attitude that, look, I don't have to be right. I don't have to get my own way and I don't have to prove anything. 
And if I have nothing to prove and nothing to lose, I'm not going to become defensive in those conversations. Mm. So I have to ask a question, and this is kind of directed to both of you, because one thing I'm realizing that's common between both of you, both of you, which is intriguing to me, is you guys both quite often talk about self-awareness, which is a big component of UQ from what I remember, if that's correct, TJ. But yeah. one of the things that I think I'm pretty bad at at times is actually being self-aware. So for someone in my position, and I can promise you there's some listening because I know them by name. <laughs> and, if, and if they're not listening, you'll give them a copy of the episode. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> you know this. How how this is more of a how-to question but how do we become self-aware is there any practical tips that and either one of you can answer this that we can take and apply to help us become a little bit more self-aware of ourselves it uh it's it's having it's asking questions of other people Mm -hmm. who know you well so i will often ask uh those who work for me is there anything i do that really irritates you Is there anything I do you wish I would do differently? If there was one thing you could change about me, what would it be? And what I'm doing is trying to get at the shadow side. Um, I'm actually involved in a a leadership cohort where we are taking what I call leaders in the raw, leaders who ask all the right questions in all the wrong ways. (laughs) And over three years, helping them grow in personal clarity, leadership clarity, and organizational clarity. And so I asked my cabinet unawares to come up to the front, and I asked them three questions. I said, would you tell those in the audience what what my shadow side is? Now, these are people who work for me. Secondly, I said, can you describe how my emotional intelligence has grown over the last 10 years that you've known me. And third, can you give an example of how our team leadership keeps me from making stupid decisions that would come back and bite me? Mm. And so in front of 80 people who thought, man, I'd never ask that question in public, they shared those things. I can do that today. I never would have done that 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's what I'm thinking. You know, the reality is our friends know our shadow side. So to try to hide it is kind of, is kind of uh, fruitless. They already know it. Wasn't it Seneca who said, a sad fate awaits the one who, though known well by others, dies unknown to himself? Oof. That's good. <laughs> you know, and there are so many of us that die unknown to ourselves, even though the rest of the world seems to know something about us. But you know, Tim, what you described there about, uh, I agree with you entirely. The first answer I was going to give you that question was oh, ask know. others. Yeah. I mean, I, any episode you listen to, you're going to give some type of advice just like that. That's yeah, why I and, but what I think you said, Tim, was really significant in a wholly different way. And that is, it's not just self-awareness, it's vulnerability hmm. to your self-awareness because you gave permission to those you work with to not only speak into your life about what they see, but also to share it with others that this is open. I want you to just see, this is how I lead. And when you work with me, you're going to get the, you're going to get the gold, but you'll also get the rust. Right. And the, and the more trans, the more transparent we are, the more transparent others are as well. Yeah. Now, Tim, I have to ask this question. I know this episode might run a little long, but there might be some people listening to the show that say, 
that's great. Uh, as a leader, I want to develop. I want to get better. Uh, I'll do some self-reflection by maybe going out as as much on the limb as you did and ask others and then give permission for them to share amongst themselves and I'm going to watch. But what about the person who's working for a leader who is leading out of their shadow side, who is insecure, who is, well, just that. They're leading out of their shadow side, and, and it's creating disruption and challenges for that person. What are ways in which they can help that leader become more self-aware, or can they? Uh, sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. It depends on the level of defenses that people have put around themselves. Um, my observation, Larry, I've worked for both healthy leaders and unhealthy leaders, mm-hmm. and uh, I have learned as much from unhealthy leaders as from healthy leaders. Right Mostly I learned how I didn't want to lead. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I could do in that situation was lead my own team out of health mm-hmm. and you know, lead differently than the one I was working for. Yeah, and as much as you can, so, try to protect them from... As much as you can, yeah. yeah. Well, later in your book, you, you write about three important commitments of deep influence. I want to read what you wrote here. I find three commitments common to those who enjoy deep influence. They want that transformative work. They make time in their busy lives to be with God and to reflect on their lives. And they actively cooperate with him in areas where he speaks to them about needed change. I, I just thought that was really, really like central to what you're writing about. But here's the question I have for you. How do we know if we're truly growing these area, in these areas? It's easy to read that sentence and go, yeah, I identify with that. But Tim, how do you look at your life and say, I think I'm growing in that. I think my desire for transformative work is increasing. I think my uh, reflection is increasing. I, th- You know that I'm getting better at these things. How do we know that as opposed to just reading that and saying, yeah, I agree with that. You know, you can just intellectually assent to something, but it, but it doesn't really reflect progress that you've made. How have you found that you keep yourself an honest check that you grow in these ways? Well, partly, Larry, is I, su- I surround myself with people who, who are honest with me and who, you know, will reflect back what they see in my life. And that's both at work and it's in my, my set of social friends. Uh, secondly, it, uh, I can ask myself, you know, how have I allowed my shadow side to interrupt my life in recent months? And uh, how open have I been to the Holy Spirit and what he wants to say? And uh, how much energy have I put into reflection and thinking and, uh, you know, focusing on those things that are really important. And I want to make the point here that when I talk about being reflective, it doesn't mean you're sitting in a chair doing nothing. I'm most reflective when I write. I'm reflective when I fly fish. I'm reflective when I'm walking. In other words, figure out what kind of activity allows your mind to take you to places where you can think deeply and use that activity to help you do that. Mm. For most people, it's not sitting still. Mm. It's doing something uh, productive. Especially for extroverts. 
<laughs> we need to be doing something active for it to work. <laughs> so do you mind if I ask one more question? And it's, again, directed to kind of both of you. So one of the issues I, I think both uh, my friends and I deal with when it comes to that uh, increase in awareness of ourselves is going to someone asking them about, you know, our shadow side or whatever it may be. It's it, it's a daunting thing. It makes us nervous. It gives us anxiety. It's it's scary thing to do. How do we soften the blow? Or is there even a way to soften the blow so it's not such a nerve-wracking thing for us? Repetition softens the blow. It's <laughs> mm, not what I wanted to hear, Larry. <laughs> So, so think of yourself sitting in a coffee shop and just asking questions of your friends. You know, what, what have you learned about yourself recently? What are the areas where you struggle? Just get a conversation going. And soon you're talking to each other about real things. Uh, be transparent with them about some of the things you struggle with and say, well, how do you see me in, in that arena? Hmm. Uh, when I am stressed out, what, what do you see that, you know, how do I respond to that? Just get a conversation going because it's, it's not just about you. It's about us together. We learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, that would really soften the blow, especially if it was a dialogue rather than somebody just kind of bombarding me with all my dark sides. Yeah. Or shadow sides, I should say. <laughs> and sometimes a good cigar helps. <laughs> Yes. You get a slow clap for that, TJ. Thank you. <laughs> well, Tim, unfortunately, we've run to the end of our show, and but I don't want to leave this episode without having a challenge for our listeners. And so what, how would you challenge them? You know, um, I'd love to have them read the book, not so I can sell books. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have them read the book because I, I share uh, what, I, what I've learned over the years about myself and uh, leadership and what it means to to grow personally. I'm pretty transparent, as you know, in yes, the book. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I would encourage uh, people to have the kind of dialogues with those around them on these kinds of issues to raise awareness, to grow ourselves, to hear from others, to learn from each other, young and old. Nobody has a, a corner on the truth. In fact, I mean, I love to have this conversation with those of your generation because you have perspectives that I don't have. I have perspectives you don't have, and uh, we can learn together. Wow. I will set that up if you come in. (laughs) I will bring hundreds of us. (laughs) Well, that's a great challenge. But how can our listeners get a hold of your book, get a hold of you, tell them about your blog and how they might be able to order your book? Yeah, the easiest way to get to the blog is just Google T.J. Addington, and uh, I think the blog will immediately pop up. Uh, the book's obviously available from Amazon and Tyndale and Nav Press. The cheapest way to get it is to go on my blog and just uh, click on the cover of the book, which will take you to the, the Shopify site that I have. And I have intentionally kept the prices lower there than any other place. Uh, and the bulk prices of 10 or more are significantly lower than you'll find other places if you want to have a group discussion. Yeah, if you're leading a team, you'll want to pick up a copy of this book for your entire team. I read the galley proof of the book and, and just 
had the opportunity to to write an endorsement for it. And I, I love endorsing books like this because, as Tim said, he's transparent and he's got some real challenges in there for each of us to lead mm-hmm. more deeply. Well, Tim, thanks again for being on this episode of Reinventure Me. And, and thanks for, for the time that you've given us, Tim. Look forward to seeing you when you're, when you're back, uh, back home. Thank you, guys. It was a privilege. All right. The honor's ours. Thank you. Well, that's all the time that we have for this episode of Reinventure Me. This is a little bit longer episode, but I think it's worth it. And besides, you're getting a few extra minutes today because Armin and I are taking a break over the next couple of weeks. That's right. This show, we're going to take a break for Christmas and New Year, and we won't be back until the first week of January, the first Thursday of January, the next episode of Reinventure Me will come out. And we are really looking forward to what we're going to do in the new year. We're getting very close to one year anniversary of this podcast. And uh, we've got some exciting stuff that's planned in store. Of course, we always love to hear from you. Uh, Please uh, let us know what you think of the show. Visit our our show page at reinventure.me slash 47. Uh, Visit us on facebook.com slash reinventure me. Or just uh, Twitter out to Armin Asadi or Larry Gates. And we just love to uh, interact with you. We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and just a joyous time of celebrating with your family and with your friends and an exciting new year as you contemplate everything that God wants to have done in and through you in 2015. It has been our privilege this year to just have 47 episodes to be able to share with you and engage with you and just wanted to say thank you for listening. Honestly, we yeah. are we are honored that you did. And grateful. And grateful. Right. So until next year, happy new year, merry christmas, have a great time. Many blessings. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. <laughs>